Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast, presented by STBB. A conversation dedicated to answering your legal questions and a platform where our team of specialist attorneys share their expert advice and legal know-how with South Africans. For over 120 years, STBB, the big small firm, has been delivering legal solutions to South African business and personal needs. In our ongoing Legally Speaking series now, property law expert Belinda Lewis demystifies and explains in layman's terms aspects of the law. And today, part two of the topic, capital gains tax. Last week, we spoke about the general workings of capital gains tax in property sales in South Africa, touching on the calculation in essence. If listeners need a recap, they can always contact you, Belinda, and we'll give out your details at the end of this program. In part two now, we take a closer look at the different types of owners of a property and the impact this has on capital gains tax. Welcome, Belinda. Thank you once again, Mark. Good to be here. I certainly will try my best to demystify some of the notions around capital gains tax. So last week we looked at the calculation, selling price less base cost equals net capital gain. We looked at the fact that there can be certain exemptions applied depending on whether the property was owned by an individual or a juristic person that would then turn to the matter of primary residence exemption, annual once-off exemption applicable to individuals and such like. We discussed the fact that not the whole of the net gain is taxable, which is a big fear out there and it can be a bit scary and off-putting even to sell property because of this. Really, only a portion of the net capital gain is taxable at the rate that applies to that property owner. Individuals, only 40% is added to the taxable income of the individual for that tax year in question. Sometimes the individual will not even have any taxable income for that year, being not working or a student retired, whatever the case may be, and that will then constitute taxable income and be taxed at the rate that applies. With juristic persons, though, we're talking companies, close corporations and trusts, 80% of that net gain is added to the taxable income for the tax year in question of that owner, juristic person, and taxed at the rate which applies, which is a fixed rate. So trusts, companies, closed corporations, they all have fixed rates. Individuals are on a range. So if we look at the effective capital gains tax rate that applies to individuals, to break it down, 40% taxed at the rate that applies to the individual with the highest income tax rate for individuals being 45%, one is then looking at an effective capital gains tax rate of 18% applied to that gain, 40 times by 45%. 
So up to 18% is the maximum capital gains tax rate applied to the gain directly, working that way. With juristic persons, 80% taxed at 28% in the case of companies and closed corporations translates to 22.4% effective capital gains tax rate applied to the gain as we worked it out last week, how to get to the gain, selling price, less base cost. With trusts, 80% of the gain taxed at the rate that applies to trusts, which is 45%, translates to an effective capital gains tax rate of 36% for trusts, which is double the rate for individuals at the highest end of the scale for individuals. So parties out there, your listeners, in their property acquisitions and what have you must be very mindful of these capital gains tax rates for if they intend to sell the property and if so, when and after how many years, what are their intentions? You know, you look at a trust, that's a long-term plan for a trust. It's an estate planning tool. You don't want to be selling property out of trusts in the short term. It's expensive. I've just said 36% capital gains tax on the net capital gain. That's heavy. With individuals, obviously, 18% max. And luckily, the 2 million primary residence exemption plus a 40,000 annual exemption as well, once-off capital gain with close corporations and companies. We mustn't forget that whilst it's 22.4% effective capital gains tax rate, somewhere between the individual and the trust, call it that, somewhere in the middle, we mustn't forget that if the shareholder or member of that closed corporation want to receive those sale proceeds in their hands, that's a dividend and dividends tax is payable. So that too needs to be factored in. And if somebody is acquiring property for investment purposes, it may sound like the right thing to do to put it in a company, but there is the consideration of not only the higher rate of capital gains tax on the disposal, but also the dividends tax as well. So maybe better to put it in the name of an individual, being themselves or them and their partner, etc. So for me, these are just important considerations that come into play, Mark, and need to be borne in mind. So Belinda, what if someone dies and they own property? So Mark, if someone dies, capital gains tax does come into it. That is treated as a disposal. And if they were married and they bequeathed their property to their surviving spouse, then the estate will not actually pay the capital gains tax when wound up. But the capital gains tax will be payable when the surviving spouse dies or sells the property, and this is called a rollover provision, a deferring of the obligation to pay capital gains tax, with the surviving spouse then stepping into the shoes of the deceased when the surviving spouse passes away or sells the property, and for capital gains tax purposes, and then the calculation is made accordingly. The problem is that this can come as a surprise some years later if the surviving spouse having inherited the property sells expecting a certain figure out after deductions only to find out that there's a pretty heavy capital gains tax bill to pay especially if it is quite some years later and even to heirs of the estate too where the surviving spouse perhaps has passed away and now it's a cost in that estate 
so capital gains tax, you know, does ultimately affect beneficiaries too. And I will make the comparison that if a property is left to, for example, kids, there is not a rollover provision. It only applies when the surviving spouse inherits. And if to, for example, children or anyone else for that matter, then the estate of the deceased when wound up will have to pay the capital gains tax due and payable in the circumstances. So capital gains tax is a textured and complex issue. And if you want any advice on capital gains tax, Belinda Lewis is your person. She's a property law expert and she's at STBB. Belinda, your contact details, please. Mark, well, I'm based at the Claremont branch of our firm. We do have 11 branches, though, and approximately 100 professionals practicing in our firm. But if they want to reach me or anyone else in their area, as it were, they can find our details on www.stbb.co.za. And soon we'll be back with another edition of Legally Speaking. Thanks very much, Belinda Lewis from STBB. Legally Speaking, this podcast has come to an end. Thanks for joining the conversation. And if you like what you're hearing, visit us at stbb.co.za for more info.